When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbel and Will Wilson today filling in for Chris Schmidt. Chris, somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean, if I'd venture to say somewhere over the North Atlantic Ocean. Um, unsure. I don't have the flight tracking details, so I don't know exactly where he is, but I can confirm he is not locked up in an Irish prison. So uh, we are going to be getting Schmitty back into the beautiful state of Nebraska here uh, probably some point in the next 12 hours. As I said, I don't have all the flight details. I know tomorrow is his jet lag day where he's going to get himself recovered a little bit more, but it's uh, Elijah Herbolt filling in for Chris Schmidt today. Will Wilson joining me here for at least the first hour of the show. And then uh, we're going to have a special appearance from Connor Clark coming up a little bit later. Uh, that'll be for hour two. So a little bit different than our, our, our usual show setup, but well, excited to have you sitting in here for uh, our first hour. How are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing really good. I hope Schmitty is enjoying that long plane ride, as a lot of people enjoyed uh, here the past few days. I'm happy I'm not enjoying that plane ride right now, but you no, know, everything's good. What's up with you? Well, uh, I-, I was talking with Schmitty. Uh, things are going well with me. I was talking with Schmitty yesterday on the show, and he was kind of telling me, like, yeah, I don't have that much of my sleep schedule I actually have to fix because, like, I was kind of just stuck with my, my same old, same old routine where, I um, mean, he gets up so early here in the, the United States to, to do that KO4 morning show yeah. that once you advance forward six hours, it's getting up at, like, you know, 9.30 in the morning Ireland time. So I think he just kind of stuck with that schedule of, like, 9.30 Ireland time to 1 a.m. Ireland time. So it doesn't sound like he has all that much jet lagging uh, to, to fix. But I was going to say something. We were talking off air before the show about how you were in dire need of some water. And yes. I have a confession to make. What? Every time I'm thirsty here on the studio and I don't have a, like a, a glass of water, a bottle of water with me, I'm just going to the bathroom and just putting my face under the sink. Ooh. There's my shameful confession. I hope nobody who actually like works with us here in the afternoons like hears Yikes. that and will, will judge me for that. But I was just going to say, like, man, just, just swallow your pride. Go to the bathroom and just use the sink water. I don't know if that's safe. Is it any different than the water that comes out of, like, you know, a refrigerator besides the fact that it's not filtered? But, like, let's be honest, I haven't changed the filter in my refrigerator in years anyway. Well, the, f- the filter does a little bit. Um, also, we have a coligan, so that obviously does a lot of good things to the water. I don't, it's, you know, it's an old building. It's an old building. I don't know if you smelt that uh, little stench <laughs> going around that. today. Uh, I think there's sewage buildup somewhere on the block. So it is, uh, it's pretty rough. So I would not be trusting that faucet water. Even though I do put it on my hands, but um, yeah, that's that's ballsy what you're doing there. I haven't gotten sick yet. I haven't gotten sick yet. Okay, good. But uh, we got a lot to get into on the show today, Will, as uh, we have a Mitch Sherman joining us here in about 15 minutes. Mitch, back from Dublin, as uh, we're going to hear a little bit about his trip 
and uh, take a look ahead to the week to come for the Huskers. We'll also have uh, Rick Kaczynski, former Husker defensive line coach, former Iowa defensive line coach, Rick. and former offensive line standout at Notre Dame. Rick Kaczynski is joining us to lead off hour two simultaneously with when uh, Connor Clark is going to be joining the show. So looking forward to all that. We also had uh, Husker coaches, well, Frost, and players meet with the media this morning. We'll hear from both Coach Frost and Casey Thompson a little bit later in the show. But where I want to start off this conversation is with something I've seen going around uh, on social media, both Twitter and Facebook, it seems to be a war between Husker fans. Of you got one side of people saying, "Well, you're not a true Husker fan if you don't support the team through their ups and downs. If you if you don't support the the coaching staff, if you don't support the teams, if you're not showing up on Saturday, then you're not a true Husker fan." And and you got the other side of people going, "Well, if you can't expect better." from your Husker team, coaching staff, players alike, then you're not a true fan. Accepting mediocrity uh, and accepting these 4-8 and eight and 3-9 and nine seasons, that's not what makes you a fan. What makes you a fan is to expect more and to want the best from your team. And I'm just seeing all this 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 anger going forth between these, these two sets of people within the same group of, of a fandom, all Husker fans here. And I'm just thinking all this is craziness. <laughs> We can't be somewhere down the middle? Uh, you can be. No, you can be. Honestly, the people who are doing that, Elijah, I'm sure they just, like, you know, they think they're monster Husker fans, you know, and it's like you cannot be faithful. If you're not faithful, then, like, you can't be part of the team. Well, that's stupid because we're in year five. People don't like what they're seeing. We're, 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 the fans mean a lot more than what people think. Like, how many times have we sold out that stadium? There's, there's no Husker football program without the fans. Exactly. And there's no, there's no revenue. There's, there's none of that. Uh, so every fan has the right to think whatever they want. And it's bizarre to think that if, if you're not thinking good and that everything's jolly every, the whole time, like, then you can't be a fan. Now that's stupid. They, those, those fans need to get real with themselves. Well, it's, it's the, this gatekeeping of fandom. There's not one way to be a fan. Are you wrong if you're going to support this coaching staff wholeheartedly and this team wholeheartedly until – whether a coaching change is made or, or what have you. Or that, that, sure, you're doing well with your fandom, but you're not a bad fan if on the other side of things you're going to say, well, I don't like the coaching staff that, that is assembled right now. I don't like the results in the field. And until the point where, where that is fixed, I, I don't want to support my, my team financially by going and putting my butt in the stands and buying all this gear. There's, there's no one right way to fandom. You're still a fan. Yeah. If you're tired of the results you've seen on the field and, and you want to – flex your muscle by saying, you know what, let's not fill up the stadium. I think there's just this this misnomer around Husker Nation. I mean, greatest fans in all of college football. I don't doubt that. That's I don't deny that one bit. Husker Nation is the greatest fans in all of college football. But you have been so spoiled over the past 40 years that it's easy to show up every single Saturday and support the team as a part of your fandom. That seems like people, that's bare minimum for being a Husker fan. You show up and you support the team. Well, it's been easy for 40 years. Now it becomes difficult. And whenever people are saying, you know what? I want a change within the Husker football program. So I actually enjoy being a fan again. There's nothing wrong with that either. And I, I just don't understand why these two sides have to clash so much over this. Whenever there's yeah. no one correct way to be a fan. No, you kind of touched on it there. How, you know, people say Nebraska fans are they're the best. They're the nicest. Well, Okay. So then people see that some of the us, uh, our fans, are, aren't exactly being, like, they just think being critiqueful is not being the best fan. Like, no, I mean, being the best fans is being nice to the opponents when they come to town. You know, inviting them to the tailgate, wishing them drive safely back home. Uh, but 
when it comes to critiquing the team, like that happens in any fan base. That's okay to do. It's okay to want better results on the field from the team you support. That is perfectly okay. Especially here in the year five where we still have a losing record. And if you want to get your point across by, you know, not showing up on Saturday and the stadium's not full or by hopping on Twitter and, and voicing your distaste, this is a multi-million dollar program at Nebraska. Don't go out and call it the players on Twitter. That's not what I'm saying. But if you want to say I am unhappy with the leadership and the results that Coach Frost has brought, that is well within your right to do because Coach Frost wouldn't be making multi-millions of dollars without the fan. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're so right. The, the fans have a vested interest in the success of Coach Frost because you're the one that is technically paying the bills for him, but paying the bills for Trev Alberts to be able to pay multi-millions of dollars to Coach Frost every single season. Yeah. So let's not say that, that you have to be happy because you're a Husker fan. You don't have to be happy with what Coach Frost is putting out. You, you have the right to have whatever opinion you want. And if you think, you know what, after that result on Saturday, I am ready to see Scott Frost be shown the door and I'm going to to yell it to the rafters so everyone knows that I think Coach Frost should be, should be fired, well within your right to do so. But if you want to sit in the stand on Saturday against North Dakota and say, you know what, I'm going to support this team through thick and thin, and even though the results aren't what I like, I'm going to support them just the same, you're well within your right as well. There's not one right way to be a fan. And I don't no. know, it just rubbed me the wrong way today to see Husker fans <laughs> arguing on Twitter about their correct way to be a fan. No, yeah, that's, that's a stupid argument to be getting into. Uh, but, you know, the people who are getting mad at people for doing that, it's that's why we're in that's why we get ourselves in trouble with other fan bases is because we we aren't good we haven't been good recently but yet those those fans are are thinking that oh everything is fine you know I can't be mad at them I can't critique them and that's where we run into problems where fan bases are like you, you why are you in a position thinking that nothing's wrong obviously something is wrong your team sucks yep you know mm-hmm. so but yeah, that's a weird argument to be getting into. I th- feel like there's other things we could be arguing about than what the right fan should be. That's stupid. Uh, okay, well, we'll get into Frost in a second, but just one thought to close here. I do truly believe uh, from my travels around, seeing different college football venues, seeing different campuses, Nebraska does have the, the greatest fans in college football. I agree. And we're, we're in a down period right now. And don't let the, the on-field success dictate what you are as a fan, uh, at least – um, and what makes Nebraska the greatest fans in all of college football? Nebraska isn't the greatest fans in all of college football because we're going to support this team even when they're bad, and we're going to be the, the best fans ever for this team. That that's not necessarily what that it's what that it's about. It's about the fact that when visiting fans come to town, we're going to treat them with respect. We're going to give them a great game to experience, whether they upset us or not. If North Dakota comes into town and beats Nebraska, Nebraska is the greatest fans in all of college football because they're still going to go to the bars downtown afterwards and buy the North Dakota fans a drink and say, hey, thanks for coming and checking out Lincoln. Exactly. That's yeah. what makes don't, – don't lose sight of that despite the losses. I don't think Husker Nation would. But that's what makes Nebraska the greatest fans in all of college football. It's that – and not specifically that, but just that mindset as a whole from Husker Nation that there, there are things bigger than college football. Yeah, and it's natural. I mean, not, not every state has – just one program that everybody looks at, you know, every state either has a pro team or two college teams that there's fans of, you know, here in Nebraska, we just have that one thing. Uh, so it's pretty natural. It's kind of easy for us, but Hey, I'm, I'm, I, I agree. I think we have the best fans. Let's uh, let's get into uh, what coach Frost had to say this morning is yesterday was our therapy Monday and I'm not going to go 
rehash all these old topics that we hit yesterday. But this week is a little bit different because usually the coaches and the players would meet with the media yesterday, and that would be a part of our Therapy Monday session. So there is a little bit we still have to hit on from this Northwestern game because there were some clarifying comments from Frost on some of his postgame comments, which is what we hit a lot yesterday. But let's start this off with what Coach Frost had to say this morning about the game itself on Saturday. He went back and watched the tape on Sunday. We haven't heard from him since then, and he kind of got into what he saw on the tape that that didn't necessarily reflect in what he said during his postgame comments. And and Coach Frost just got into a, a little bit more measured with a uh, a review of the team's performance on Saturday. Uh, I think a lot of places, it, you know, watching the tape, we played hard. The, the effort was there. Um, came down to four or five plays, probably on both sides of the ball again, that we need to execute. Um, had a couple busts on defense and misfits that cost us some big plays and cost us uh, a first down or two and that led to points. Uh, had a couple more chances on offense to score. We're going to be in a lot of games where that's the case, and, and I think just detail and consistency. More from Frost here. Uh, upon watching the tape, he says he thinks that the, the offensive performance on Saturday, it wasn't perfect, but it was uh, close to what they want, and that, that the offense was a, a few plays away from being in a place where, where they were going to win that football game on Saturday. You know, it's one or two plays. Honestly, Sam, the... Uh, we, I can think of one drive. We had the ball up four and uh, on their 40, first and 10. And I think that was the one we ended up with an interception on. And it, you know, so it's one or two plays where if, if, we, if we hit a play, um, it leads to points. And, and that's this league. Um, it, in general, I thought, like I said, everything was great. Uh, we need to make sure that, that we execute a little better in, in those situations. And uh, I know Whip watched the fourth quarter with the, uh, with the offense yesterday. And, and up until that point, I thought we, we played really well. Um, I think we can keep coming together and being even better. And the, the fourth quarter was that, that big point where the offense, don't want to say the, the wheels fell off, but didn't get the job done. Yeah, they, they put their defense in a tough spot, and the defense could have stepped up and helped out the offense while they were struggling. That's what football is all about, complementary football. When, when, the, when the defense is struggling and giving up a lot of yards, you as an offense need to go step up and say, well, we're going to throw together a, a six, seven-minute long drive and let this defense get their, get their wind back, let them get on the field and, and be able to be rested for a defensive series. So it, it's not just this Northwestern team running the ball 15 straight times. Whenever the offense can't pick up a first down, um, with any consistency in the in the fourth quarter. And after the onside kick, you can't have a possession of more than two minutes uh, of game time off the clock. You, you're setting your, your defense up for failure. Um, but the offense, I think we saw the flashes. We saw what this offense can be. And th- that's where I think the optimism comes from moving forward from this team is the fact that that the offense did at times during this game move the ball with a lot of success. When Northwestern came in and, and adjusted to what the offense was doing, I don't think Nebraska was able to, to use that chess match well and able to adjust to what Northwestern's adjustments were, and that's what football is all about. But there is potential within this Husker offense. Yeah, he mentioned there's like five plays. I mean, the two plays that I think about, uh, the overthrow to Palmer. Yep. Right, I mean, he's going for six mm-hmm. if he catches that. And then the fumble. Uh, you don't fumble that. We're probably punching it in for at least three, you know, maybe six. Uh, those are two plays that come right to my mind. That if 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 we complete those, then I mean, we're we're probably winning that game. And and I'll add to that the uh, the play where it looked like Casey Thompson had an open Oliver Martin. The ball placement wasn't quite there. It still looked like Oliver could have made a play on the ball, but 
didn't necessarily it leads to a pick and yeah, uh, Nebraska was in a great place to score some points in that drive. Wasn't that weird? It, it was weird, but Coach Frost saying today uh, he was happy with Casey's performance despite those those two turnovers uh, with the, the two interceptions and the occasional overthrow. Saying Casey's performance was fine and it's going to put you yeah. in a position to win a lot of uh, Big Ten games this season. But that 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 play from Oliver, I mean, it's like he new contact was coming and he was like avoiding the contact and he just didn't go for the ball I, it, he obviously went for, like his hands went up to the ball but it, like I don't know that was that was a weird play I, I didn't like seeing that weird but there's lessons to be learned from that and if Casey can keep on stacking performances like he had on Saturday th- this offense should be in a place where uh, they're going to be in position to win football games yes. yeah Casey's great um, I, I tell you I, I knew Casey was a good football player he made some plays in that game that really impressed me um and that's another real positive thing. When you get a, a kid you haven't seen play live before, you don't really know what you got. Uh, we got a kid there, there that can win us a lot of football games. So uh, he can get better. We can all get better. Um, but uh, he's going to give us a chance in everyone. We'll get into the uh, the struggles of the run game in the offensive line a little bit here later this hour. We'll also talk with Kaz about that to lead off next hour. But coming up right after the break here, we'll have Mitch Sherman joining us fresh off a trip from Dublin. Mitch will be joining us as uh, we'll be back right after the break right here on Hale Varsity Radio. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. This segment is presented by Union Bank and Trust. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio on Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Rolling through a Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, we are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson taking you through this first hour before Will and Connor do a little bit of a uh, line change at the uh, top of the hour. Connor going to be joining us for hour two, so a uh, big thank you to both of them for sitting in with us here today. We'll have open phone lines for you, the listener, here in about 15 minutes as uh, we'll get some more thoughts from both Coach Frost and Coach excuse me, and uh, Casey Thompson. Uh, but first, let's welcome in from The Athletic, Mitch Sherman joining us fresh off of his trip to Dublin. And Mitch, we can't thank you enough for joining the show today because I know you, you're probably still going to be experiencing some of that jet lag, some of that, that changing of the body clock back to Nebraska time. So uh, I guess tell us about that journey. I know the team's probably going through that as well. How are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm all right. I think the team's probably better. They got home on early Sunday morning, late Saturday night got a chance even to sleep in their beds for a few hours on Sunday before getting into the week. I was like, oh, well, 36 hours or so. Uh, well, over the, yeah, I, was, I got home Sunday night, whatever that was. So, no, less than 24 hours. See, I, I still uh, can't add or subtract, which probably speaks to <laughs> the level of, of minor jet lag that I'm experiencing. But it's, uh, it's good to be back. Um, like driving on the right side of the street and looking at a at a car with the steering wheel on the on the proper side of the gear shift. So 
that's all good. Uh, I had a great time in Dublin. Can't say enough about both the experience with the game and then just the city in general. I would I would go back on on vacation. Just loved the. And I know Chris felt the same way, uh, Schmitty, with the the time that he was spending there. He'll be he'll be just a day or or so or a couple days behind me on that on that jet lag experience on the way back. It's I will say it's it's easier on the re- return trip, or at least it was for me, than than the uh, the trip out to Ireland. Uh, Mitch, tell me, do you have a, a highlight from uh, the, the the journey out to Dublin? I mean, kind of one of those those trips, Nebraska playing internationally, that it mm-hmm. happens so so little that it's one of those memories you're, you're going to be holding the rest of your life. Do you have a highlight from the trip? Yeah, I mean, the game for sure, just the experience in the stadium, that was a highlight. I mean, outside of that, I would say a little journey that I made south of Dublin to a town called Dalkey. Uh, right on the sea, just a small little little berg. Um, I had, I would say, the best tasting fish tacos of my life, and some seafood chowder and a great beer right along the Irish coast. And walked up and down the uh, the beach, which is a, it's a rocky beach there. And, and in most places in Ireland, you don't have a lot of sand beaches. I think there there is some, but. Um, that that was great. I mean, also just these these morning walks that I took every day in Dublin, really my my routine. And I, you know, I felt like I had taken up residence by Sunday when I left. Was just to uh, to get up and, and head out from the city center in any direction and just walk and experience the energy of the city. It's it's um, you know, it's different than any American city. That I, I think I I told Schmitty last week. There's elements of various American cities that I. I sensed in Dublin, but but nothing, you know. That's it's like twenty five percent of this and twenty five percent of that and ten percent of this. So, um, just a, a fantastic overall experience and, and soaking up everything that I could and and the uh, and the culture and the food and the drink and and uh, and, and the uh, the the overall setting and environment of Dublin. Mitch Sherman with us here on a Tuesday edition of Hail Varsity Radio. Mitch joins us every single Tuesday at four twenty five and. Mitch, we, we got to hear from the, the both players and Coach Frost this morning, getting uh, some more in-depth thoughts on what that, that trip out to Dublin and the game on Saturday, uh, their takeaways from that. and Less so what, what they thought, but I want to get what you thought about the offense and the defense, everyone talking about how easily Northwestern was able to run the ball on Saturday as well as Nebraska's struggles to run the ball. Uh, those are probably my, my top two concerns moving forward with this Husker football team as uh, they get geared up for North Dakota. Well, where does your concern lie with this Husker football team in terms of things that they need to get fixed if they want to turn this season around? Well, I'm, you know, I'm in agreement with you, Elijah, on the, the line play. And that, that's what it comes down to with running the ball and stopping the run. And it was my chief concern about this Nebraska team to enter that game you know, I thought Northwestern would struggle to control the line of scrimmage as well as it did. I figured it might be a stalemate, um, maybe a slight advantage to Northwestern, especially with its offensive line because of Peter Skaronsky, who was probably the best player on the field for either team, Northwestern's left tackle. But he's just one guy out of five on the offensive line, so I figured Nebraska would be able to overcome that. Not, not really the case. Uh, Huskers... Could not get pressure on Ryan Holinsky, and and you give any Power Five quarterback uh, an opportunity to sit back there like that, and, and he's going to pick you apart. And, and I don't know that Holinsky was 
much of a legit Power Five quarterback last year when he came to Lincoln, but but I think he's improved enough to the point where he is now, especially when he's got his full complement of skill players around him. And, and Evan Hole was very good as a running back uh, behind that offensive line. Uh, he had some some weapons at wide receiver that we didn't see from Northwestern last year. So that's a concern for sure. The Nebraska defensive line and how it matched up in the trenches in that game. And the same thing with the offensive line. It's not like uh, Casey got pressured the whole game, but it was, it was worse than what I expected with the run, the run blocking for sure. Pass pro, maybe about what you'd think run blocking. Um, no, that was, that needs to be better. It's gotta be actually more, more than just, it's gotta be a lot better. So, I mean, the problem is Northwestern is like a is like a little sister version of what Nebraska can expect to see from a solid half of the Big Ten West. I mean, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, are, even even that's what Illinois wants to do with Brett Bielema uh, entrenched as coach. Now they, they're going to want to run that 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 kind of an offense and be physical at the line. And they've done it to Nebraska the last couple of times that the Husters have played the Illini. So those are big concerns. The other one I would come up with is that Nebraska needs to know how to finish. And it struggled, obviously, with that last year and losing close games. And then there the Huskers were at 28-17 in the third quarter. And, you know, forget the onside kick. I mean, it's a big part of it. I get it. But just finish the game, you know. Even when you're up four with five minutes left in the third quarter, you got the ball. Nebraska at one point was driving up four late in the third, early in the fourth it might have been, and through an interception, uh, the offense stalled. you got to finish, and right now that's something this program just is unable to do. We're talking to Mitch Sherman. Uh, you know, Mitch, we, we're one game in, and this may be a tough question to answer, and if you don't have an answer, I understand, but looking at last year's team and then looking at the team that just got done with this first game, uh, are you going to say that this team is, is better than last year's? Not right now. Um, I'd probably take last year's team over this one. You know, you can't have players playing against themselves, but uh, it, not right now, no. Not with the way Nebraska played at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they've upgraded in some spots at wide receiver. I think there's the potential for this to be a significant upgrade. Got to do a little better job of holding on to the ball. At running back, there's an opportunity for this to be an upgrade, but um, across the defense, there's players at every level of the defense that they missed quite a bit from last year, and that was clear in in week zero. So I wouldn't say it's an upgrade there at all. Now, it could be by midseason. I think the defense has got a lot of room to grow. I know it does uh, after that performance. They can tackle better. They can get to the point of attack better. Um, they can avoid busts better than they did, defend the run. They can rush the passer better, really every area the defense can be a lot better. Um, and, I, and I think they will. I think they will improve. It's a hallmark of an Eric Chenander coach, an Eric Chenander coached team in his time at Nebraska and his time before that. So um, I look for that to happen. But right now, week, week zero, week, week one, against what Nebraska was a year ago as a 3-9 and nine team, um, I think they were a better overall unit um, a, a year ago. Now, not maybe in terms of just like up and down the roster talent, but they played better as a team for the most – for most of last season than overall what I saw uh, in Ireland. Mitch, last thought here as we look ahead to, to North Dakota. 
I mean, a lot of Husker fans are already looking ahead to Oklahoma, saying that's the one where, where Frost might be coaching for his job. He, he needs to, to show the fan base something there against Oklahoma. But you got two teams ahead of you. While they are lesser competition, I don't think they're going to be cakewalks. So my question to you is, is there anything Nebraska can show either this week or next uh, that will show that this team has made improvements and has learned lessons from that Northwestern game? Or is that going to have to wait until the Oklahoma game? And these are just games you have to win and you're not going to learn all that much from. You take care of business. You know, don't come out and let those teams hang around. They can, you can give up a touchdown, but I, I don't. You, you need, you need to take the, you need to take matters into your own hands from the beginning of those games. There's just no reason at all to come out flat if you're Nebraska this week against the, an FCS opponent. So take care of business. Look like a good team, and then yeah, I think for sure there are things to be gained. You can gain something every time you go on the field. There's just 12 games in a football season, so this is one sixth of the season. These next two games and. Nebraska needs to be a better team when it goes on the field September 17th than it is today. There's an opportunity to get to that point in part with what you do in practice and obviously in part with what you do in taking care of business against these two teams. Mitch, I know I said last out, but I actually got one more for you because I want to go back to the, the pressers this morning. I know you were there. Do you think there's mm-hmm. anything to, to what people are saying is tension between Mark Whipple and Scott Frost, or is that people reading too far into a coach's quick-fire reactions after game without getting a chance to see the film. Is there tension between those two? I know they're never going to come out and say it, but but from what you're reading mm-hmm. on behind the scenes. Yeah, I think there has been at times. I think, I think that's that's okay. That's that, it, Trev Alberts has said on, on multiple occasions that he wants this experience to be uncomfortable for Nebraska. It has to be uncomfortable um, for them to have progress and move forward. So some of that's going to manifest – in the way of tension between the head coach and the offensive coordinator, fine. You know, this is a this is a, a big change for Scott Frost to step away from play calling. And there's times where I'm sure he'd like Mark Whipple to do things differently. And I'm sure there's times where to get out of the way so he can call his offense, and, and that's unnatural maybe for Frost. Although he recognized that today and said, if it was me calling the offense, I wouldn't want somebody breathing down my neck or shoving something down my throat. Um, so there you go. I mean, he recognizes it, and I, I'm I'm glad that they. You know, he basically said there's tension, and then and that without admitting it, and then said no, 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 there's not tension. Fine, you know, whatever. We can all see what we see, and hear what we hear, and and I don't think it's a bad thing. Like you, you <laughs> tension, like it's okay. You can admit it. You can say like we bumped heads a couple times, but let's let's move on and, and get better because of it. There's Mitch Sherman joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Follow Mitch's work with The Athletic and find him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. And Mitch, appreciate you you taking some time out of your afternoon here. Hope you can stay awake a couple more hours. You got to get that sleep schedule right, bud. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yep. Mitch, have a good one. Thanks, Mitch. So Mitch Sherman joining us. You can catch that podcast, that interview, in full ESPNLincoln.com. We're going to get some more thoughts from the post-practice availability this morning after the break right here on Hale Varsity Radio. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. 
Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Back in on a Tuesday here, it's Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson taking you through this Tuesday edition of the show as Schmitty somewhere over the North Atlantic right now on his way back to the capital city. We'll, uh, I believe, be hearing from Schmitty maybe a little bit tomorrow, but for sure on Thursday. Tomorrow is going to be his jet lag recovery day, so uh, excited to get uh, Schmitty back into the great state of Nebraska. Until then, we're holding down the fort, and uh, we have a comment in here, Will, uh, from Brennan about our conversation to lead off the show. If uh, you got a comment on it, give us a tweet at Herbal Essences for me, at Willie on the radio for Will, and at H Varsity Radio for the show as a whole. You can also give us a call 402 466 3776 or 800 825 5865. Again, 402 466 3776 is your number to get connected with us today. Give us a call if you want to continue that conversation. As uh, we did have Brennan chime in saying, I love the Huskers, good or bad, but not going to a home game is horrible for the team, horrible for the university. It's a top-notch environment and experience, and above all, it doesn't fix anything if you don't show up on Saturday. And I'll I'll add to that just a little bit. I don't disagree uh, that you are creating a better environment for not only your home team, but uh, for recruiting since uh, from a recruiting point of view, I should say uh, the, the, the great fan base that you have in the NIL opportunities. But on the other hand of things, if you're unhappy and you want to, to show that you're unhappy with what's currently going down, continuing going on Saturday is not going to prove anything. And I know Trev Albert's got his ear to the ground and he hears things, boosters, fans and whatnot, but that is the easiest way to show that you're unhappy is, Oh, Nebraska did not fill up the entire stadium on Saturday. That, that's the best way to show it in my book. Uh, again, I mean to to get mad at fans for voicing their, you know, their anger with with what's going on. That's just stupid to me. I mean, everybody thinks differently, and I mean, what is this Fairweather University? No, it's not. I mean, this is Nebraska. We know what we used to be, and it's, there's no problem with people wanting to get back to that. Mm-hmm. I yeah, and would I prefer that the stadium is full on Saturday? Sure. I think it creates a better environment for the team as a whole, and it increases my enjoyment whenever you got a full uh, stadium full of people that have a vested interest. But at the end of the day, money talks. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're not going to use your money to go out and watch this Husker football team and support this Husker football team, uh, you are sending a message to the university in one way or another. And if that's how you choose to send your message, I have nothing I can say about that. That's, that's, your, that's your prerogative as a fan. You can do that if you'd like. we got John on the line chiming in. John, uh, welcome in. Uh, thanks for calling Hale Varsity Radio. Yes, I've been going to Nebraska football games for 77 years. And our family has had season tickets since 1931. And uh, I gave all of my tickets away last year. And the only game that I'm going to go to is the Oklahoma right now. And I guess my, my point, in fact, is that I went and saw the game uh, at a bar on a North 48th Street, and I never saw so many and people uh, just saddened by what was going on. And most of the average age is probably about 50 to 53 or something like that. But people aren't, you know, like you said, aren't just going to, they're not going to put their money out uh, for something like this. And I used to be proud to go someplace and people would say, oh, yeah, Nebraska football. Well, the thing is, everybody says, we can't do this, we can't do that. I've been reading all the articles. And, you know, they fired Kiffin right on the tarmac, and then he bounced back. And 
I just think they need to do some action after, as soon as we get to four or five losses. I think that there needs to be something done because uh, I talk to – I'm just mom and pop. I just talk to people that have restaurants and businesses, and they're hurting uh, because of – the bad decisions and the bad decisions that were made at Nebraska go clear back to when they fired Frank Solich. It goes clear back to the chancellor, the president of the university, and the regents. And they need to do a white paper and looking at this because what the university has been doing has not been beneficial to the program. They have had some good hires and some good programs like in volleyball uh, for a while they had you know you know baseball looking pretty good men's you know uh men's basketball has been up and down but it's going to be it could be a real disaster with the basketball program and a lot of people that I've talked to they're basically saying they want a clean sweep they want Albert out you know they want the athletic director out of there too and, you know and, 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 and John... he's the puppet he's the puppet they're pulling his strings they hired him to make decisions and make some decisions. But uh, all the decisions that have been made in the last four years have been wrong. John, he's, he's, been, he's been on the job for 13 months, so I think calling for Trev Albert's head here is a little bit ridiculous. But I have no problem. That, and that's what we've been saying the whole time. If you want to show your distaste for the Husker football program by not showing up and not committing your dollars to, to the university and to the football program, that is well within your right. So, John, thanks for the call today. Uh, if you want to get your thoughts in, 402-466-3776. And, I mean, I don't disagree with anything he's saying here. If, if Nebraska fans wouldn't have shown up to the end of uh, the season last year if there were empty seats at the Ohio State game and nobody wanted to show up and watch that. It doesn't matter how good the results in the field looked. Um, I'll get to your call here in just a second if you're calling in, but if if Trev Alberts liked what he saw but the fans didn't like what he saw, if only, say, 75,000 people showed up to the Ohio State game at the end of last season, it would have sent a message. Yeah. And that, that's just what I'm trying to say at the end of the day. If that's how you want to, sh- to, to, <laughs> to send your message to the university, you're well within your right to do that, and I don't think you're a bad fan. Yeah, death, Texas, and, and grumpy old John explaining how long he's been watching Nebraska football. Um, uh, hearing that they want Trev Alberts gone is one of the most craziest things I think I've heard all year. I don't think I've heard one person say that, and apparently people at the bar he was watching the game at were, were saying that. He said all the decisions that he made were bad. Uh, what decisions are th- is that? Exactly. To keep Frost for a year? But like, I, I, to, to me, I, 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 hearing him say that, like decisions on hiring people, he hasn't hired, he hasn't made too many big hires. So, I don't know. Good to hear from John again, I guess. Yeah, and if uh, you want to get your uh, thoughts heard on the air, 402-466-3776. we got a call coming in now, so uh, I, let me let me feel this real quick, Will. Okay, yeah, go ahead. We're, we're always good to take calls here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, people are, you know, people are ready to share some stuff. I know the show this morning, we've been uh, getting a lot of calls, people who we haven't even heard from before, so... Uh, yeah, people are people are up in the air. We've got Russ on the line now, and Russ, we're up against the shot clock. Only got about sixty seconds. What do you got for us today? Uh, I just wanted to say that I guess uh, expecting your team to win or lose is a dirty word around here. Everybody's supposed to be kumbaya and and support no matter what and and everything, and nobody's supposed to be passionate and expect excellence and and hope that we win. And if you say that you're upset that we lost then you're a bad fan because you have expectations and everybody's got to get a trophy nowadays. So Mm -hmm. 
everybody's got to be happy, and we just got to accept it no matter what. And, you know, the guy's making 80000 a week um, to get the job done. So I, I just feel like winning and losing is a dirty word anymore because our society has gotten so soft um, that uh, we can't expect to win or lose because that just makes us a bad person. Or, you know, we should be happy losing by three points to uh, Northwestern. Yeah, Russ. And, uh, Russ, good take. You're up against the, we're up against the end of this uh, hard break here, but great take all around. Like, if you want to be unhappy, you're well within your right to do so. It doesn't make you a bad fan, and it doesn't make you a bad fan either. If, if you say I'm going to support and, and show up, but there's no need for infighting. Everyone can be a fan their own way. That, that'll do it for us here. Uh, this segment will be back after the break on Hail Varsity Radio. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Wrapping up Hour 1 here of Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's the last four minutes of the show with Will Wilson. That is, as we still have a full hour upcoming after our next break. Rick Kaczynski is going to be joining us here to lead off Hour 2. And we'll be hearing from Connor Clark joining us from somewhere down on campus. And excited to get uh, some of Connor's takes on uh, not only that Northwestern game. I know we, we've hit that a lot here, but what this uh, this team is moving forward, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more next hour. But I, I remember college. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago for us. Yeah, I know. I do not miss it at all. Though. Well, it was fun, but you know what I mean. I did, I did not miss the school part. Not like you did all that much in the in the school part of things anyway. Yeah, don't remind people. <laughs> well, uh, I do want to get one thing on the record here before we talk to Kaz, because I'd like to get... Kaz's take on this as uh, Scott Frost met with the media this morning. He clarified those comments that he made this morning, uh, or excuse me, after the game on Saturday about needing creativity in the Big Ten. And um, Was that really that big a deal? It just was a little bit weird sounding, right? Because whenever you think Big Ten, you don't think creative offense. And, no. and there, there is creativity within the Big Ten, but it's in a, a different sense of what you expect from creativity. It's less so like, oh, we're going to pull out the end around and we're going to do all this crazy stuff. That's not what I think uh, creativity means in the Big Ten. It's much more about changing around your personnel and based on your personnel and formation, making a team think you're going to do this whenever you actually go back and and do a a completely different thing. But he he clarified those comments about creativity, saying uh, they may have been taken a, a little bit a, out of context, and B, uh, taken a little bit out of proportion just based on a guy going and giving his thoughts post-game uh, without a chance to go back and look at the film. Yeah, I didn't even realize I said that after the game. Uh, I was, I guess, kind of referring to the run game more than anything. Coach Whip's really good. He knows his stuff. thought he did a really good job calling the game. Um, we've gotten better up front. There's no doubt about it. We're better at running back. There's no doubt about it. Um, but in the Big Ten, it's hard to just turn around and hand it to a back and think you're going to be real consistent. So uh, I, I think I was referring to coming off the game, just maybe having uh, a few more things in the run game that um, that are schemed for the particular opponent. I mean, well, look, uh, one of the biggest run plays we had was to the outside, right? Mm-hmm. And how many times did we continuously see that? I mean, we saw them trying to run inside up the middle so many times. And so when I hear Frost say that, I kind of agree with him. Like, why didn't we keep going to the outside? That's really the only way we had success on the run game. Well, last thought here from Frost this hour is as he got a little more in-depth about those those struggles that the run game faced on Saturday. It's Yeah, it's some timing and some things like that, absolutely. Um for the most part, I was really pleased with some of the runs we made at running back. Uh, when we get those guys on the second level, I think they're going to be really dangerous. Uh, and I think there's a few things we can do to help um, make sure that 
you know, they're, they're not getting touched at the line of scrimmage, but we get them on the second level, give them a few more chances. And that's what we're going to be getting into, I guess, as uh, this show moves forward this week is, is Northwestern is behind us as a, as a, as a state, as a, as a Husker football program. Northwestern is behind us. It's all about, well, you heard it from the team this morning, how they respond, uh, what they're going to be doing moving forward. And I guess that's, that's where we go with this show as well as, as what does this team look like moving forward? What, what still needs to be worked on? Um, why are there reasons for optimism? And, um, I guess just uh, what does this team need to do to to avoid a repeat of last season? Because Saturday felt like the exact same song and dance from last season, and what needs to be done to avoid that that same thing happening again? Uh, See you on the phone lines. We'll get to your call here uh, after the break, but coming up, I guess directly after the break, we'll hear from uh, former Husker defensive line coach Rick Kaczynski. That is next right here on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into hour two here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt today, who is somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, we're excited to get Schmidt back into town. It's uh, Elijah Herbal, Will Wilson sitting in with me back in hour one. Uh, now joined in studio here, well, I guess via the stream by, uh, by Connor Clark. And we're excited to welcome in Rick Kaczynski. It's another Tuesday with Kaz. And Kaz, uh, I think you and I both would rather be discussing a Husker victory against Northwestern this weekend, but uh, you can't always get what you want, and uh, we're going to have to break it down a little bit anyway and maybe look ahead as well. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. Well, uh, Kaz, let's, uh, let's dive right in as uh, really tons we can get into. I'm sure we'll get to the onside kick here in just a second, but I want to start this off with, uh, with your expertise, the defensive line, and really the defense as a whole against Northwestern. Uh, and, and I want to get your take on, on the, the running game that of Northwestern. Nebraska's defense struggled, especially late, to, to stop the run, even when they knew the run was coming. And Coach Frost got up in front of the media today and said there were some things that Northwestern did schematically late in the game uh, that they weren't expecting and uh, opened up some bigger holes for that Northwestern.
Northwestern offense, but uh, it really looked to me like a case of a, a defensive line and a defensive front seven uh, that just spent too many plays on the field. They were getting tired, and uh, that Northwestern offense really wore them down. So I want to get your takeaways from what you saw from the front seven, particularly in the, in the running game. Yeah, well, I just, you know, well, obviously it's very easy to, to criticize after a game, um, but, you know, that's what fans do. It's, it's, once again, let me preface, it's, it's real easy for me to, you know, sit on a couch or, you know, listen to the radio uh, in the truck and, um, you know, when, uh, form, uh, form my opinions. So, you know, like I said, uh, no skin in the game other than wanting to see, uh, wanting to see Nebraska win. But, uh, you know, from the start, um, it just seemed like Nebraska was uh, was on their heels a little bit defensively. Um, I, I guess maybe because of the expectations were so high, and you know, probably a good example of you know just let your let your play do the talking. I think there's just been a lot of hype about the D line and all that with the with the transfers, and I think it just goes back. I know it's only one game; it's a long season. But what you saw, you saw the same things that have hurt them the last four years. And I think that's why you have the opinions and so much heat from the Husker fans. Uh, you know, if this is year one, year two, hey, we're building like what we got, we're going to get better. But I think, you know, the, the consistency of the mistakes and the consistency of the issues that have been highlighted in the losses is I think what has Nebraska fans concerned um you know northwestern they they win without great teams all the time but uh when i'm looking at i i watched the replay i didn't watch the game live i was up in west virginia but you know so yeah i had to watch it on one of those uh you know quick hour things they do on the big 10 but that's that's you're talking to a guy that i think played against or played against Northwestern and coached against Northwestern total of 14 or 15 times. Not a great, not a, not a great Northwestern team, right? Um, so I don't think they have an all Big Ten running back. Um, they got great tackles. Uh, Nose Karonsky, personal, personally great guy. He's a kid that uh, uh, that uh, lives two doors down from one of my college roommates, and um, you know just saw him last summer. So know about him, but uh, I don't know if there's any other all Big Ten candidates on that on that line. Uh, what I saw with uh, with Nebraska, you know, as a coach watching it on TV, and which is really really hard to do um, to get a good feel and to to get um, you know good examples of what you're seeing. You're not seeing the end zone cut. You're you're not slow reversing it so you know what i i just didn't see them getting off blocks um you know i heard somebody talk about well there's they're they're correctable right those are things that you can fix somebody was talking about pad level uh, on one of the nebraska radio shows they were talking about steps and those are things you you can you can fix fundamentals during the season and i disagree with that a little bit i think you know you you establish your fundamentals uh, in spring ball. You establish your fundamentals during fall camp, and then you refine them during the season. And I just didn't—I I didn't think they played fundamentally sound. I thought they got swallowed up. I didn't see them getting off blocks. Um, you know, you just didn't see many impact plays on that side of the ball. I know you got what two or three captains on that side of the ball, 
you know, there's not a play that I saw, and I can say this going back to last year, where you just see an impact play, where you're seeing somebody just take a guy's head off, where you're seeing a big hit, where you're just seeing something special happen, extraordinary, that's just filling the entire team, the sideline, the offense, the defense, the coaching staff, uh, the fans with some energy. You just you just didn't see that, and you know that that's what that's why I was a little bit disappointed when I was watching that. Um, you know, so that's you know that's my two cent hot take. That means absolutely nothing because I'm a dude not coaching and not playing. So, uh, <laughs> but you know that that that's how that's how I saw it a little bit there, Elijah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the on the fundamentals. And, and further back from the line of scrimmage, I, I personally saw some bad angles, especially from the secondary, trying to come up and, and fill some gaps. And, and you really don't want a running back to go untouched all the way up to, to the safety. But uh, I saw some bad angles from safety, some bad tackle attempts all over the field. And uh, as you were saying, the, the def- defensive line wasn't always fundamentally sound. But uh, I... I, I really think what I saw was, aside from the first two defensive possessions of the game for Nebraska, I think I saw a Northwestern offensive line that, that wanted it more. Uh, the juice seemed to, to fly away from the Husker team after maybe the first quarter, and whenever it really became a, a, a fist fight, I, I saw a Northwestern team that wanted it more. Is that what you saw? Well, that's that's hard to say because, you know, I, I, hey, listen, man, I've been on, I've got my say, okay, if you're, you're in that long enough, man, you're a player, a coach, Man, it's it's like boxing, man. You're going to get hit in the chin. You're going to get knocked on the canvas. And, you know, I coached a lot of guys where, hey, I knew exactly where they were mentally and physically. I knew what they gave. But when you turn the tape on, it looked, it looked different. And, and a lot of times, you know, bad technique will make you look like a soft football player. You know, and I'm looking at my son. You know, my son's in his second year playing football. He's a completely different kid. And I know my kid's tough. Um, you know, for, for a sixth grader. You know, I knew he was tough last year as a fifth grader. Uh, but on the football field, because he didn't quite know what he was doing and because he quite didn't know how to play technique, I mean, he, he, looked, like a, he looked like a kid that was lost in space and shouldn't play football, and it was just a matter of time before he was getting hurt. Now, was that his mentality? Absolutely not. So, when you get into that want and all those type of things, man, that's that's really that's man, that's that's really hard to you know to say that with a hundred percent you know certainty that 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 happened. I guarantee Nebraska wanted it just as bad. You know, I I, I didn't see Nebraska quit. Right, what I saw was Northwestern play a little bit better. I saw Northwestern coming off the ball, and those are the things that happen. I mean, you look at those two drives, you know, you look at those touchdown drives, you look at the interception, the touchdown, you know, you could say the same thing about Northwestern at that, at that point. It's a, you know, it's a chess match. It's a heavyweight fight, man. Both, both teams are, are swinging. They're swinging hard, mm-hmm. you know, but they're also, you know, you got those gut punches. So it, it's hard for me to say. I, I wouldn't say Nebraska didn't play hard. I wouldn't say that no, – Northwestern wanted it more. I just think that it looked like, you know, they Northwestern did things a little bit better than Nebraska did. And, and Northwestern uh, made critical plays when they needed to play, make those plays in critical in critical situations. And you know, I, you know, talking about the missed tackles and all. Let me, and, and I'm kind of backtracking a little bit because I heard you say it. You know, missed tackles. There's a lot of missed tackles when there isn't a lot of guys around the ball. Great tackling teams. When you look at the Alabamas, right? You look at Iowa. You you look at the great defenses that 
that Michigan had. You know, you just take the Big Ten, Wisconsin. When you watch their guys make tackles, there's about three or four guys a, a step away. That's how you make open field tackles. You know, there's a lot of guys close to the ball. And I think, you know, when you're talking about guys coming through the line un, untouched, you know, I always used to tell the D linemen, said, turn around. I said, put, put a guy in the middle of the field and give a running back a football. I said, then go try to tackle him. And I said, that's what your safety's seeing. That's what your linebackers are seeing. So that, that's a tough gig. You know, when you make good, it's really easy to make good open field tackles when you got the Calvary coming and they're, you know, they're a step away. But once again, Elijah, that goes back to, you know, that goes back to the fundamentals. You know, some of that goes back to scheme. You know, I don't, I don't get in the scheme. I, I'm not in those meetings. I don't know what either team is doing. Um, you know, I don't know how they're calling their defense. You don't know who's responsible for what. You don't know how they're playing the gaps. And you name it, man. You know, how they're playing the coverages and how that. So that, that's hard to get into, you know. But when you start saying, man, they threw some things at us schematically wise, I just don't, I don't think that's the right thing to say right now. You know, I just don't think you need to say much as, hey, we didn't get it done. We got to get better. We got to get better quick. There's an opportunity to do it. There's not a whole well, a whole lot else that needs to be said at, at this point, right? Rick Kaczynski's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Kaz, obviously whenever you got a coach on the hot seat like Scott Frost, everything he says after a loss and uh, on the, the following media availability is really going to be put under a microscope. And, and one of those things, in addition to talking about tackling and, and some scheme things defensively, was uh, a comment about creativity on offense. And he clarified that today. We, we talked about it a little earlier in the show that he was referring to the fact that you can't just hand the ball off to running back and expect them to go downhill. He, he thinks you need to be a little bit more creative to run the ball in the Big Ten. And I want to get your reaction to that because whenever you think of running the ball in the Big Ten, you don't think of creativity. But we, with Nebraska's offensive line, maybe that's what's needed for them to establish the run against some of these these more traditional Big Ten teams. So, what's your reaction to, to Scott Frost saying this this offense and this running game needs more creativity? Uh, man, you, you know, I guess you know, what's the definition? I mean, of creativity. All due respect, this is the Big Ten. I mean, we're not talking about a creative offensive uh, offensive offensive conference man um and you line up against wisconsin you know where they're going to with the ball i mean I, I can go back to when 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 barry was there i can go back to when um you know i was i got the tail end of, of barry um for a year and then coach bielema um you know so my thing is you know we knew we knew that they were running power we knew that they were running zone we knew that they were uh, running block back lead and, and leading with the H back across the formation. You know, you, you got to play those things and you got to, you got to get off blocks. Uh, you know, so when you talk about creativity, you know, you know, what is it? Is it creating angles? Is it what? I mean, ultimately, you know, you're either blocking people or you're not. Um, there's only so many run plays in football, man. You know, you got inside, you got inside zone, you got slant. You got power. You got some things. You know, uh, I guess there's different variations off that. But but you know, teams. It's like everything else. If you got a whole lot, you can't practice it a lot. So what teams I think do, you know, you, you get the the best teams that I coached against, the best teams that I played on, and the best teams, um, <laughs> you know, the, the best teams that I coached against and coached with. 
you did a, you did little and you got really really good at, at it and then then you had variations off the things that you were very very good at you might change one or two guys you might exchange a fullback and a tackle on the end instead of the fullback you know iso in on the backer he kicks out the end and you, you you put the tackle on i mean you might change one or two guys but you're you know when you're talking about creativity okay if that's what you want if that's what you do you can't do that now when you're practicing basically twice a week in pads. So what are you changing now? So what are you going to invent new plays? You're going to put new plays in now when, okay, you come back, you put your game plan in, you practice full pads Tuesday, you practice pads Wednesday, your helmets and on Thursday, walk through Friday, game Saturday. You know, now, I, my opinion, you do what you do. You refine what you do. Um, and you got a good quarterback, right? Uh, I think what they need to do, they need to find a guy. Who's, who's their running back right now, right? Who is, who is their guy? Who is their number one dude? I think you have to get a guy. I think that's important for the offensive line. I think that's important for the entire offense. I think it's especially important for the quarterback. I mean, you look at the great offensive teams at Nebraska – you can go back to Coach Devaney. They had a dude. Who's the guy? This is the guy we're going with, right? Um, and I think they need to get that because I think that'll help the that'll that'll help the rhythm. And you know, when you when you got a guy, you know they can see things, man. They get that first hand handoff, and they see how this guy's playing. They see how the backer's playing. They're seeing if that backer's stacking, if he's running over top. They're seeing where they need to cut. They're seeing that flow of that defense. You know, if you're, if you're handing the ball off to three, four different guys during a game, man, it's really tough getting in a rhythm. So, you know, here's my advice from the couch. Get a dude. You know, hand the ball off. Keep pounding, keep pounding, keep pounding. you got a quarterback that can make some things happen. And if you start, don't give up on the run. You start running the football, man, that's going to make your quarterback and, and your skilled players even that much better. And they, they got some perimeter guys. I mean, the season – Season isn't over. You got a lot of football, but you know I think what's what's disappointing to Husker fans, um, you know they were they were way more talented than, than Northwestern, in, in my opinion, and, and that's a game that you really, for the majority of the game, you you controlled the tempo, and you know Northwestern capitalized on on uh, Nebraska's mistakes, man. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes here with Rick Kaczynski. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And, and Kaz, let's start taking a, a look ahead 
uh, to what's still to come in this Nebraska season. As you said, it's a long season still to come for this Husker team. And uh, the next opponent's North Dakota, Georgia Southern. And I do think there are some Husker fans out there that are already looking ahead to that Oklahoma game as the, the important one for Scott Frost. But you, you got two big games that aren't guarantees right in front of you. And uh, the first one's coming off a, a, a tough turnaround. Uh, six days after you get home from Ireland, you're going to be playing another game at home. And North Dakota is no uh, walkover team. So, how do you kind of get, get a team's mind right following the loss? I mean, you have players getting in front of the media today saying uh, that's already behind us. Uh, we're already focused on the next one. you got to have a short memory. But that's easier said than done. Uh, what would you be telling your team in this week as you move ahead to North Dakota, A, uh, to get them over a disappointing loss whenever you're, you're on the country stage, and then uh, B, to keep them from looking too far ahead to Oklahoma because uh, I'm sure those guys hear the chatter too uh, about their head coach knowing, well, that's going to be a huge for him in terms of keeping his job. Well, you can't. I mean, it, it's easier said than done. Way easier said than done. But you know, you can't. You you can't read a newspaper. You can't worry about things that you don't control. And you know, you got to keep doing what you believe in. You know, whether it works or not, you, you don't know. But if you're going to go down, you can't be influenced by the outside. You can't change your convictions and your beliefs because you lost a football game. Um, so you just got to keep doing what you're doing. The players are going to feed off the coaches. If you come in there and start changing your offense or changing schemes or changing this and changing that, man, you know, the players, you're, you're going you're gonna to lose the players. So you just, you know, hey, you move on to the next one. You know, all the, all the guys, all the coaches I was around, man, you know, Coach Holtz, Coach Ferentz, uh, you know, Coach Bo, um, you know, Coach Pugh, guy I worked for down in South Carolina State, Paul Hamilton, who was at the Air Force. Man, you know, win or lose, man, you, you moved on. You, you learned that really, really quick. And I think, you know, I, I think that's what's helped when you – those, you know, Kirk and Bo were, were NFL guys. Um, and, you know, I think what they were great at is was the next one. You, you, can't, you can't let the last one. You've got to move on. You can't, you can't lose two games in a row. And that's what Nebraska really needs to, to concentrate on, man. You just can't need whatever you've got to do. You've got to find a way to win. Uh, easier said than done. But you just block that out, man. You just go to work, but I think um, you know what the coach has got to do, and, and good coaches do that. You just stick to what you believe in. You know, if you're going to go down, go down doing what what you believe in. Go down doing it your way, so you can at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, and it happens everywhere. It happens to great. You know, Nick Saban got fired. Lots of great coaches get fired. You know, there's a lot that goes into winning. You know, the stars got aligned. There's a lot of variables that happen. A lot of great coaches get fired year after year after year. Um, it, 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 so just keep doing what you're doing. Just get better at what you're doing. Don't, don't go and change because you start changing, you're going to lose the team. You're going to lose those players. They're going to look at you like you're nuts. When you lose those players, man, it's done. It's done. So and I, and I think they got a group that they won't lose, and I don't think the staff's going to do that. They're just going to get back to work, and, and that's what you got to do. And I know all the media used to say that stuff about Boas against the world, which, you know, I was in his room for three and a half years. I never heard that term. We never talked about that. All we did was the process, the task at hand. What do we have to do to get better? You know, are, you know are we, how well are we coaching our guys? Is this a guy that's capable of doing what we ask? And if not, find another guy. Have we done everything we could? Have we turned over every stone? And that's what you do, man. It's just a, 
it's just a grind. And if you grind and you do everything that, that you think you could possibly do to put those kids in position to win and doesn't work out, man, you can, you can live with it. It sucks, but you can live with it. And, uh, so I think you don't want to panic, you know, let the pan, fan, fans panic, right? Call a used up slappy coach on the phone and put him on the radio and get his opinion. You know, it does what I doesn't mean anything, right? Nobody's listening to me. It's just, it's just all opinions. It means nothing. The only thing that matters is in that locker room and that staff room um, and when in that sideline. So, but you know, it's, it's, it's time to do it. The talking's done. They just got to go out and do it, man. Okay, Kaz, I was thinking about staying away from this topic, but you said your opinion doesn't matter, so I, I want to get your opinion anyway. <laughs> you know, you know i got to go with that onside kick. I mean, you could be Sean Payton in the Super Bowl, and, and your hail is a genius if it works. Maybe Nebraska picks up that onside kick, goes and scores a touchdown, and, and they do put the game away in the third quarter. But at the end of the day, it, it's not what happened, and it's going to stand out like a sore thumb uh, in the scheme of this season if it doesn't go the way that the Husker coaching staff wants. So what's your reaction to that onside kick decision? Well... It's just it's real easy, once again, for me to say, hey, what the, what the heck, what are you doing, right? If it worked, man, what a genius, man, that's his stamp. But, you know, here's my take. you, you got to know what's going on, you know. Uh, what, what was that front line doing? You know, so at some point, you, you, no coach makes that call without information. Mm-hmm. So I guarantee there was a point during that game there was a point during that game that somebody saw that front line leaving before the ball was kicked. And I can tell you as a coach on the sideline, a coach that's been as a GA, full-time assistant, both sides of the ball, when you're up in the box and on the sideline, when, it's, when, when, when you're kicking off, you're always looking at that front line, right? Hey, is that guy leaving? Is somebody leaving before the – so I guarantee Coach Frost didn't make that decision without getting information. You know, was it, it was a roll of dice, but you know, at that time, I don't know. I would I would have got multiple opinions. You know, the coaches that I worked for, Kirk and Bo, they would have asked. You know, we there would have been there would have been a lot of conversation before we did it. You know, and when it came to that. Brother, I'm not. I'm not a gambler. I'm. I am a conservative. <laughs> I'm conservative. You know. Yeah. Casino's not making any money off me. So <laughs> you know, I would have been the dude. You can ask the guys I coached with when he wanted to call pressures. Why? You know. But also get, give a reason why. Don't just. Don't just say, hey, I don't think we should do that, man. Give the reason. You know, we were playing Georgia in that Gator Bowl. We were getting home with four. And we were about to call pressure on third down, and I go, why? We, we don't need to, guys. Play coverage, you know. It's third and 11. Play coverage. Don't, don't, don't put our corners at a disadvantage. We don't want to play man against these cats. Hey, you're right. Or, Cas, you don't know your head from your ass, right? So there was always conversations. And so and I, I worked for conservative coaches. You know, I worked for guys that believed make a team – Make a team travel the length of the field. You know, make that force force a mistake. And you know, at that point in the game, um, you know, you you had some you, you were playing some good defense. You know, you just come you know just come off a score. Obviously, big run. You got all the juice, man. Man, I, I think I would have kicked the ball and make the team. You know, make Northwestern. Make Northwestern go the, go the length of the field. 
you know, put the pressure on them to have to get back in, back into the game. Because when you give, especially Northwestern, and I think you have to take the team into account, because that's just what they are. I mean, they're a team that capitalizes on other, other people's mistakes. So, you know, once again, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always protecting coaches. I always give coaches the benefit of the doubt. So I guarantee Coach Frost got information, and he saw it himself, that front line moving at some point in the game on those kickoffs, and that's why he did what he did. Even if I saw that, I don't. I don't think I would have did that, right? Uh, I know I sound like a politician. I'm a conservative guy. I played for conservative guy. <laughs> coach holds. I coach with conservative guys. You kick it, play defense, get the ball back, and then grind it out. Kaz, last thought here before we get you out, and really appreciate your time here today. Got to ask about the alma mater, Notre Dame, going up against Ohio State this weekend. I mean. Probably your, your game of the weekend, without a doubt. And Notre Dame's going in as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, Coach Freeman said he's going to be using that as motivation for the team. What's your reaction to that, and, and what do you think about uh, the task that the uh, the Fighting Irish have in front of them this weekend? Tough task, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tough task. Uh, you know, uh, motivation. You know, you got to be individually motivated to – you know, to not let your teammates down to be the best you can possibly be, right? Um, there's no words. There's, you know, there's no media clippings. Right? You know, that stuff is for after the game to, to taunt people that said things that they didn't back up, right? So, um, you know, I don't get into the, the, the motivate. There's nothing a coach ever said to me that just all of a sudden a light, a light went on and said, okay, now, now I'm ready to go, man. You know, you start preparing for for the season, whether it's Ohio State, Northwestern, or North Dakota State, or South Dakota State, or, or Mercyhurst College. You know, you prepare you prepare the same. Um, you know, but I tell you what, you know, coming off the Okie State loss in that fashion and giving up 600 yards of offense, and then now you're, uh, you know, now you got to go in into Columbus and, and playing with those freaks. That they have on the perimeter, man. That's a that's a that's a tall task. But you know, that's why you go to Notre Dame, play in those games, man. So you know, both both sides got got great recruits, got good coaches. Um, but uh, I mean, it's it, 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 I hope it's I hope it's a good game. Uh, you know, I can see it going all kind of ways. You know, once again, I sound like a politician. You know, I, I could see I could see Ohio State winning by four scores, and I can see it coming down to a a final series. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked either way. But um, you know, I don't get into the motivational part and things like that because if you're a Power Five player, you're playing on a national stage. You're playing against Ohio State, and you're you know you're playing at. Um, at Notre Dame or you're playing at Nebraska. I mean, you know, unmotivated guys don't, don't get there. Right. So it all comes down to no different than studying for a test, man. What, what did you do? Did you do everything you possibly could? And it doesn't start this week. You know, this game, this, this game was decided long ago. This game was decided in the winter and in the summer. And, um, you know, and that's that, that's the mentality you have to go in there you have to go in there with so so yeah you know hell i mean it's labor day weekend and what is there 100 games on and i think there's maybe like 
two good ones, you know. What I don't know who does the scheduling, but it's ridiculous. But you know, you got the eyes of the, you know, have the eyes of the country on that on that football game. So I think it'll be good for college football, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But I love Notre Dame, brother. I love Nebraska. You know, follow Iowa. Um, but if, if if they go for three next weekend, I promise you, I'll, I'll sleep pretty. I'll sleep the same way. I never sleep good, <laughs> but I'll sleep the same way. I'm, I'm not going to lose any more sleep than I than I already lose. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there he is, Coach Rick Kaczynski with us here on a Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, appreciate you taking the time out of your Tuesday afternoon here with us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, bud? All right, bro. Thanks for having me on. There's nothing better than enjoying some sun with a drink and hot dog in hand, taking in America's pastime. Whether you're here for the baseball or the entertainment that comes with it, Werner Park is the place to be. The Omaha Storm Chasers have a handful of home games remaining, so get your tickets before it's too late. Give yourself something to look forward to as the summer winds down. Don't miss this opportunity to make lifelong memories with family and friends. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Tuesday edition as uh, we're into our last two segments of the show. Uh, Connor Clark joining us here from the beautiful Anderson Hall down on the campus of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Connor uh, just uh, dedicated student, dedicated employee as he is here with us uh, following it, well, is, is a media ethics class. Is that what it was? Yes. Um. So uh, media ethics, if I remember correctly, not as difficult as media law. So uh, good luck with all of that, Connor. As uh, Will was saying, and I'll concur with him. College was fun, but I am still so glad I am not going to college anymore. It's the, uh, <laughs> the, the grind of class is nothing that I am uh, jealous of you for, but we are uh, thankful that uh, you're uh, chiming in here with us today as uh, let's dive into a little bit of Casey Thompson's audio from this morning. Casey and, and Connor, I'll get your take on this. His performance on Saturday to me wasn't anything that was noticeable as a step up from Adrian Martinez. I think uh, you, you notice the zip on the ball, the accuracy on the underneath routes. Uh, that, that was there until it wasn't in the fourth quarter. And at the end of the day, Nebraska wanted a quarterback that could perform during crunch time. And whether it was his fault or not, uh, he couldn't lead a game-winning drive at the end of that game against Northwestern. But I do believe there is signs of encouragement for this team moving forward with what they saw from Casey Thompson on Saturday. Yeah, I think I liked actually a lot from what I saw from Casey Thompson. I don't know if I would say he's not an upgrade from Adrian Martinez just yet, obviously. just It's, it's early game. to say, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned he had the zip on the ball. He was putting balls where his receivers could only go get it and nobody else could. And I really don't think that the interceptions that he threw were necessarily his fault, especially the last one. Um, I thought he played well enough for, for Nebraska to win. Obviously, he had that ridiculous scramble play uh, that turned into a huge chunk play to Garcia Castaneda uh, in that second half. But, I mean, th- he played well enough to win. I liked a lot what I saw from him. Even when he was under duress, he remained calm. He didn't make any really dumb decisions. He didn't try and do too much. If he had to throw it away, he threw it away. He improvised a lot as well. So I liked a lot of what I saw from Casey Thompson Obviously, football is a team game, and there are many other areas to improve for Nebraska heading into what is actually week one. 
Yeah, the fact of the matter was it was a loss on Saturday, but Coach Frost did say he, he thought Casey's performance was a performance if replicated down the road, uh, knowing what he knows about Casey is going to be uh, you know, putting Nebraska in position to win some football games here moving forward. Here is Casey Thompson's thoughts from the media availability this morning on uh, not only his performance from Saturday, but the team's performance on Saturday. I thought the game was uh, – we had a lot of uh, positives on the film. I mean, we had 75 players on offense, and uh, we had – 55 plays in the first three quarters with over 400 yards and four touchdowns, uh, one turnover. And then the uh, the takeaway from it was the fourth quarter, we had about 17 plays, only like 58 or 60 yards and two turnovers, no uh, no touchdowns in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, we had four drives um, that I saw. Um, two of those ended with punts. Um, we had one, uh, one sack in the fourth quarter. Uh, two drives ended with punts and then two drives ended with turnovers. So, I mean, we played good for three quarters on, on offense. Uh, in the fourth quarter, we didn't score any points. And that was the only quarter that we didn't score any points the whole game. Northwestern scored more points. And, I mean, the team that scores more points wins the game. So, More here from Casey Thompson on, on what the offense kind of learned about themselves on Saturday and what adjustments that they can make moving forward through this season just based on what they saw from Saturday. I mean, honestly, we, go, we practice run and pass plays during the week. Um, quarterback run, running back run plays. We, we practice inside zone, outside zone, um, scramble drill, drop back pass, play action, boot, sprint outs. I just tell them the night before the game, we go over all the plays and during the week and they say, hey, are you good with this play? Or are you not? They ask me, is there anything you don't like? What are your favorite plays? I, use, I go into the game and say, I'll like everything. I'll, whatever you call, I'll run it. So if they call a run play, I'll run the ball. If they call a pass play, I'm going to throw it. So, um, but no, I usually don't. Um, unless I, I know for sure I'm out on the field because the coaches, if they're in the press box on the sideline, they don't see what the quarterback can see in the offensive line. We're actually out there. So if there's something that I know will work, I'll go tell them, like, hey, we should run this play. But, no, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good game, um, good play calls. Um, like I said, it was 75 players on offense and um, not a lot of complaints about the play calls um, from my end. I think that uh, – Every run and pass play that we had, we could have executed. We just have to make a few changes, changes and adjustments. So that's uh, Casey Thompson on the game from Saturday with uh, some of those those play calling questions and what, what adjustments there will be moving forward. With uh, you know, he's going to be in conversations with the coaching staff about what he thinks is not only going to be working on Saturday, but then in game uh, what he thinks is uh, is going to be working as well. And it kind of brings up the the conversation of the week with that one play that Nebraska saw from Logan Smothers and combine that with, with Coach Frost's comments on creativity with uh, quarterback run moving forward. If, if Casey says that that's something they are practicing, wasn't something we, we saw very much of from him on Saturday, but something they are practicing. And I do wonder if that's something we're going to see more moving forward from, from both these games of North Dakota and Georgia Southern because you have the film, you know what you need to work on. Now you have two games to, to get things right and get some wins under your belt before Oklahoma comes to town. Yeah, and I think that it was good that we saw a lot of success from the offense without the quarterback run. Now, obviously, the ground game wasn't working too terribly well for Nebraska all day long, but they had the big run from Anthony Grant that was six of the 110 yards as a team. But saw a lot of good things from Casey Thompson without him having to do a design quarterback. As a fan, really, it was kind of rare to see and uh, see all the pass plays that Mark Whipple has implemented and the control that he had over the offense. Obviously, Casey Thompson was throwing the ball pretty well for three out of the four quarters. You mentioned that one play where Logan Smothers comes in. Maybe we'll see more of that for quarterback running plays. Who knows? 
but you said it best, Elijah. I mean, you have the film now after one game, and you have Georgia Southern and North Dakota uh, into what are now very important non-conference games leading up into this Oklahoma game, and you have to get it right in these two games. You have to get it right. You have to be really good on both sides of the ball. Do not take these opponents lightly and improve on what you have to improve because if you don't do that in these two games, Oklahoma will run you out of the building. So these are going to be two not only just important games, but important lessons coming up, in my opinion, in the next two weeks. Well, the simple fact of the matter is neither of these two opponents, while you don't want to gloss over them, I mean, that's what the national media is going to say, is you're Nebraska, uh, based on what happened the, the past four years, there's not a single team in this country you can overlook. But when you look at the lines of scrimmage from both North Dakota and Georgia Southern, they're, they're nothing to, to disrespect, but they aren't Big Ten offensive lines and defensive lines. That's not what they are. This is your chance, uh, particularly from, uh, I think, your offensive line and your defensive line to, to get some things right and to, to take some lessons away from that, that game against Northwestern where the offensive line, they need more push. If they're not getting pushed against Georgia Southern and North Dakota, big, big problems for you moving forward later in this season where I, I don't think you want to get creative against these two teams while you do want to get some things fleshed out and maybe you're going to have to turn to quarterback run later in the season. You will pull it out uh, for these next two games, but you don't want to rely on that against these two games because th- these are your, your, your games to, to get your normal running game right because you know? it, it didn't look right against Northwestern. There was the flashes, as you said, the Anthony Grant run, where you, you saw the potential for what this offense and, and this run game can be, but it, it didn't look right altogether. All and uh, you have two great chances uh, against, I'll say it, inferior competition compared to what you have on the field in Nebraska. It's inferior competition to get yourself right. I don't want to gloss over and, and act like it's going to be an easy win because I don't think there's any easy wins whenever you are in Nebraska and, and what you have right now there's no easy wins but they're expected wins but even more so than the northwestern was so uh we'll uh talk some huskers in the nfl connor after the break because it was cut day uh for nfl rosters some good news and some bad news for former huskers we'll get into that after the break right here on hail varsity radio miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Wrapping up this Tuesday edition of Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It is Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark wrapping up this show today. I want to thank Will Wilson for joining us here in Hour 1, and Connor, thank you for joining us here in Hour 2 as uh, got a long week of talking about the Huskers upcoming with an upcoming battle against North Dakota, obviously, on Saturday. But uh, the uh, the main talking point still that that Northwestern performance on Saturday is uh, we'll start transitioning more towards North Dakota talk as uh, we'll get a preview of what North Dakota will be bringing on Saturday a little bit later in the week as Schmitty rejoins us from Ireland. Don't have any word whether he's landed back in the United States just yet, but I do know he is en route uh, back to the great state of nebraska connor before we wrap here it was a big day for uh, the university for uh nfl teams i should say as they trimmed down to 53 man rosters and uh, some huskers were on the cut line today the, the ones that weren't on the cut line the ones we expect levante david making a team amir abdullah uh, he's with the raiders this season stanley morgan with the Bengals. he just got that contract extension but we did have a couple guys that were going to be on the cut line today i got uh six names 
uh, of guys. Some hearing good news, some hearing bad news. JoJo Doman uh, with the Colts. He did make the 53-man roster today as he's uh, going from undrafted to on the 53-man roster. And the talent was never a question with JoJo with the draft experience uh, last season. Everyone knew the kind of talent he had. It was a question of can he stay healthy and stay on the field with a history of knee injuries. So Maybe uh, not a huge surprise that he makes the 53, but going from undrafted uh, to the active roster is huge nonetheless. So uh, a big good luck out to JoJo Doman this season. Staying healthy is going to be the name of the game for him as uh, the talent is undeniable with JoJo Doman. Another guy getting good news today, Samari Toure, as uh, he makes the 53-man roster for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers needing talent, and uh, with only seven roster spots available for wide receivers, at least that was what was expected for the Packers this season. Samari Toure is going to be right on that cut line, and uh, he has made the 53-man roster for the Packers this season. So good news for Samari Toure. He's going to try to develop into one of Aaron Rodgers' preferred pass catchers this season. Doesn't matter with Aaron Rodgers what round you were drafted, whether you were drafted at all. Uh, he's going to find the guy who's getting open. And Samari Toure showed last season he can get open. He's got reliable hands, and that's what Aaron Rodgers is going to be looking for this season. So another big look uh, out to Samari Toure this season. Four Huskers not making the 53-man roster among the guys that were on the cut line. The first, DiCaprio Boodle with the Chiefs just missing it. Uh, you expect he's going to be a, a practice squad type addition. As I believe this was the same story for him last season. Barely missing the 53-man, but then got called up for, from the, the practice squad a couple different times last season uh, and getting some game experience. So uh, Decap not making it this season, but uh, I do expect he's going to find his way onto an NFL roster at some point this season. Whether or not it's with the Chiefs remains to be seen. Austin Allen not making the 53-man with the New York Giants. He was on the cut line, but uh, the, the, the story with him was he was going to be a guy who needed some more uh, time to bake in the NFL, if you, if you follow what I'm saying. He needed some more experience, and uh, we'll see what practice squad he ends up with. Ben Stilley not making it with the Dolphins, kind of a similar story of Austin Allen. And then Divine Zigbo uh, with the Broncos, maybe a last chance to make uh, an NFL roster for him is when you're running back in the NFL, not for long is the name of the game. And uh, he had a chance with the Broncos, but does not make the 53-man. We'll see what comes of Divine Zigbo. Connor, quickly before we get out, reaction to both JoJo and Samari uh, making the 53-man roster. Awesome. Good for them. And two of my favorite players from last year. So uh, congratulations to both of them. Well, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow from four to six. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Huda Media Production.